You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I want you to think of an area where something not good has happened. I just want this truth to wash over you right now, that even in that, God makes all that work together for your good. That's not a cliche. That is not a cliche. It's reality. It's reality. How good are you, Father? How good are you, Father? You know, it's very easy, Sunday by Sunday, to get into routine. Call it church, which is not really what the church is. It might be what we do, but it's not who we are. But there are times where we've got to set aside and deliberately focus on the value of just being with Him, not just going through the motion, not going through the songs, not going through the sermon, not going through the offering, but just with Him. It's our value. And if we don't do that intentionally in our lives, as well as together on Sunday, we fall into this routine of just no different than religion. But the insidiousness of it is we think that that's somehow causing us to get close to Him. It's far beyond that. We're setting aside today for that, for you to have an encounter with Him. For you to know Him. We don't gather together just to do the Sunday thing. We don't come to church. We are the church. And we gather together to encourage one another to know Him. Paul's heart cry was that I might know Him. And I'm saying that today, in this place, you can position yourself to know Him in such a greater way than you did before you walked in here. Not because there's magic here, because He is here. So Father, right now, we position our hearts. Just because you're so good. And we think we've sacrificed to set aside this time to come be with you. But God, it's far more than that. The longing of your heart from the very beginning is to walk and to talk with your people that that you've made. And today you're going to talk to us. Today you're going to change us. Today you're going to do things that couldn't happen by reading any book, by listening to any podcast, by doing anything like that, no matter how good it is. Today, because we have set aside time to meet you, our Father, and to get face to face with you and your goodness, that we're going to get changed from glory to glory. So the things that don't look so good, all of a sudden they're going to take on a different view. They're going to be used for our good because you are so good. So Father, we position our hearts, our minds, all the distractions, all the things that are just trying to pull us away from you right now. We just push that aside and in Jesus' name, in our mind, in our thoughts, in our heart, in our desire, and from our lips, we cry, I want to know you. I want to know you. Thank you that you're so good. We can call you dad today. That's just an amazing thing. Abba, dad, papa. We rest in that goodness. Even if our experience of father on earth hasn't been good, our experience with you is just overwhelming because you're so good. Yeah, we just rest in that right now. We just take this time away from normality, hustle and bustle of the week, even traditional ways of doing Sunday. 
and we meet with you, Father. Even if it's not new to us, it's still fresh and it's alive and it's powerful and it's vital. And out of that, God, we're going to come out energized because you're so good. So good. We seek you with all of our hearts and all of our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, take a seat. Just get yourself ready. We're just going to flow through this. We're just going to keep going and uh, watch it happen through the thing today. So to create that space so that your expectation can rise. Um, You expect to hear him. You anticipate knowing him in a deeper way. Uh, Recently, I was talking with a friend. And he told me he was questioning the reality of God. And before you get too judgmental, this is a person who went to Bible college, who used to be on a church staff as a pastor, who's claimed to be a Christian for decades. As a matter of fact, he is the first person I led to Christ back in 1982. Led to Christ in Australia, not led to Christ altogether. I I personally knelt with him in his lounge, watched him receive Jesus into his life from a total non-Christian background. I knew he was transformed, born again. But his journey, you know, I I wasn't shocked when he sat in my lounge and he said, I'm just questioning the reality of God. I wasn't shocked because I know the journey he's been on. Um, and, And I've watched him go from church to church, seeking after God, but never finding. That's a sad thing. Um, And as we sat there in my lounge, I didn't respond with a sermon or a theological defense of God. I thought, that's not going to help him. Um, I I encouraged him. I said, hey, listen, I want to encourage you once again to get back to being a child and getting back to that place where you find God through an encounter that's personal, that's relational, as your dad, as your father. He has lost, this guy has lost the wonder of being in relationship with the God of all creation who bids us to call him father and to get to know how great his love is. I mean, God calls us to that. And so that was my words to him that don't, don't just keep running from church to church because he's just getting more and more negative about it. it's not working. And I'm going, just put that aside and just spend time with your father. Have an encounter with him. Watch what happens. Get to know how great his love is. You know, the Apostle John, he had to write to Christians about this. They were getting caught up. If you read the book of 1 John, it's not a great book in lots of ways. He's he's admonishing them for false teaching. He's telling them off for their sin. There's all kind of things going on. And right in the middle of that book is this jewel. I mean, it's a crown in the book. I ask a few people, you know, to uh, read this. See what God says to you while you're reading 1 John 3 1. Simon and Mel sent me an email last night. Remember, this thing is on too for prophetic stuff coming through today if you're getting things. And they said, We've been meditating on the scripture in 1 John. What stuck out to us was that the verse seemed to be of a different tangent to the preceding chapters that focus on sin and living free from this. It's like a shining light among the backdrop of our sin. We felt that we had a greater comprehension of the reality and the enormity of the love of God because we saw what His love has saved us from. The word we saw was, to understand the lavishness of His love, we must be aware of the place He has saved us from. 
I want you to do that just for a minute before we read that verse. You know, Paul describes his uh, kind of testimony about, I used to be like this until. And all of us used to be something. We used to do something. We used to be until. Even if you grew up a church kid all your life, well, all you were was just a religious little rat bag or whatever, thinking that was okay with God until. And all of a sudden you recognize that even religion stinks in the nostrils of God because religion is like an arch enemy to true faith. That's what the Old Testament was about. Guys, you're not getting it. And I want you to think for a minute, how great is this love that God has poured out on you? Let's go to that scripture. John starts 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, See, I'm just going to stop right there for a second. See. In other words, the, the New King James says, Behold. It's missing in some of the versions. If you read a version where it's not there, get a different version because this is very important. In the middle of all this mess where he's trying to correct their false teaching and he's trying to bring them into this personal relationship with him, stop. Stop your busy world. Stop your arguments. Stop your cynicism. Stop the antagonism. Stop the distractions and look at this. Stop your world. Give special attention to this. To what? See what? Great. I'm going to stop there. Because the reality is there's a word that John uses in the New King James that says, see what manner the love of God is. And it's missing in some versions. And the phrase actually implies always, everywhere it's used in the New Testament, astonishment. You should be absolutely blown away at how this love is. When you stop and you see it for what it is and for what you were and what it brought you to what you are and you know how much love that took, you should be absolutely amazed. It just takes away whinging. It takes away criticizing. It takes away bitterness. It, it just transforms us. Take notice. You know, originally that word meant of what country. It's a weird phrase. John's saying, of what country is this love? You go, that, that doesn't make sense. Is it Jewish? Is it Roman? Is it... Greek, what is it? No, no, no. He's not talking about ethnicity. He's saying, where in the world has this come from? He's so amazed, so astonished. It's almost like God breaks into the inspiration of writing about, get your doctrine right, get your life right, and then all of a sudden, boom, let's just push that aside because you're not going to get that right until you are just absolutely blown away by how much God loves you. Isn't that interesting? All your doctrinal studies, all your repentance of your sin, it's all necessary, but it's going to come to nothing but religion until it comes through the love of God. How great it is. Where does this come from? John Stott said this about that love. The Father's love is so unearthly, so foreign to this world that John wonders from what country it may come. Where does this come from? I don't know. Have you ever been there where in the love of God you went... How in the world did I get this? Where did this come from in my world? If you've never been there, you've never been astonished by the love of God. And I don't mean to be judgmental, and I'm not judging you, but I'm saying it is more than just some words on a page. It's an encounter not only with the love of God, but with God who is love. That's a difference, guys. That's a game changer. I'm not just reading about how much love God gives me. I am meeting the one in essence who is love. And he can't help but love me because he's love. So John writes and says, see 
What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. It doesn't matter what you tag yourself with. Hey, I'm just a rat bag. Oh, I'm a nobody. Oh, I'm the chief of sinners. I hear some of you say that and I go, you know, God never calls you that. God never called you a chief of sinners. Yeah, but I sinned against him. So did the rest of us. But he doesn't look down at his kids and go, sinners. It doesn't matter what the world calls you. You don't get your identity from any of those labels. You get your identity from him. He calls you this. Don't dare call yourself anything else because you're contradicting him. And don't listen to anybody else who tries to do the same because they are just skewed or lying in their comments. Because he said, we are called the children of God and that is what we are. You know, Keith, this is basic. Yeah, you might find it basic, but how wonderful is it? I mean, how can you ever move away from this saying, there's got to be more? What more do you need? You know, just like my friend who's now questioning the reality of God, the same thing could happen to any one of us. Listen to me. I've been a Christian now, going into my fifth decade. Um, and it's, it's easy to slip. It's easy to become routine. It's easy to become stale. As a matter of fact, uh, this kind of thing where people question the reality of God happens more often than we'd like to think. Some of you are probably sitting out there thinking about that. Well, if he was real, he wouldn't. Or he would if he were real. And our brain will go to that. And we lose the reality of God for a number of reasons. Some people lose the reality of God because they've been crushed in their spirit. Disappointment with God. Disappointment with others. Disappointment with the church. Hey, you get disappointed with the church? Stand in line. Get a number. I think I get disappointed probably more than you do. But I love the church. Because to say I'm disappointed with the church and I'm walking away means I'm walking away from you. Do I get disappointed in you? Oh, about 10 times a week. Just like I get disappointed with me. But do I love you? Yeah, it's bigger than the disappointment. I get a crushed spirit. You get a crushed spirit. We can lose perspective of the love of God if we focus on that. Some people lose the perspective of the reality of the love of God because they fall into sin. You know, it's, it's, some people have got this weird mentality that bad things can't happen to Christians and, and that we're fireproof and, and we would never sin. And before you know it, boom, they've sinned. They've given in to temptation. Did you know the truth is that both you and I are only one thought away from sin? Just one thought. One thought. One thought, not just an action. But that doesn't stop the Father from loving you. You stop loving your kids when they do something wrong? But that causes people to go, where's God? Surely he would have stopped me or he'd have given me the power over that or whatever, whatever. And some people, and this is the worst one, this is probably the subtlest of all. They question the reality of God because they get into the rut of religion. Oh yeah, the high church, you know, stop pointing fingers at other denominations. Look in the mirror. We can get into a religious rut as much as anybody else. That's why we're stopping the, 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 the merry-go-round. I was going to say Ferris wheel. We're stopping the merry-go-round today and getting off and going, just pause right now. We need to meet him. We need to get off this thing of, you know, just doing the stuff because it, it has the capability. Listen, we can go through the routine and it has the capability of either lulling our faith into a deep sleep or it distorts our relationship with God. 
And here's how subtle it is. It causes us, because we're doing the religious stuff, it causes us to think we're close and intimate with him. Oh, gee, how subtle is that? That's even more insidious than sin. At least in sin, I know I'm offending him. But I don't realize my religion without intimacy with him is an offense to him. I, uh, I got given a book um, recently, well, a year or so ago. I think Simeon found this one. Because the things that God had been doing in me and in us and trying to get us out of that rut of I'm defined by what I do. I'm mature by how much I do. Um, Simeon, I think you found this one, didn't you? Oh, Nate. Nate found this one. Oh, yeah. That was humility. He said, yeah, let Simeon have it. The New Believer's Guide to the Christian Life. Man, I wish I'd had my hands on this when I first got born again. And I wish I had it in my hands when I discipled so many people I'd led to Christ. Because what this young man says in this book, The New Believer's Guide to the Christian Life, he said this, My confession is simple. Deep down for the majority of my Christian life, I have lived, prayed, and served because I related to God as my employer, not as my Abba, Father. Just let that sink in for a minute. I thought I was doing a job for God. Come on, God, what can I do for you? As if he needs me to do something for him. He doesn't need me to do anything. He wants me to, but he doesn't need me to. I hear people call God the boss. I'm going, what's your picture of God? Is he really your boss? And this is why, guys, it's important we do things like we're doing today. We keep this truth in front of us constantly that God is our Father, He is good, and His love is great. And we just sit in that for a minute and see what He does and says out of that. Just let me, Let's just baptize ourselves now in just some of the Scriptures that proclaim His goodness. Because there's so many voices and circumstances and things that go on day after day that scream at us going, where's God? It does he really love you if... Listen to what the word says. Psalm 25, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. Instead of he runs them off, he pulls them in and teaches them. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. With your faculties, experience his goodness. Isn't that so good? Blessed is the man, the woman, the person who trusts in him. Psalm 86, 5, oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Have you ever been in the zone where you think you crossed a line and you sinned once too much and God says, I'm not going to use you anymore? Good news for you. He is so good and so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love. Just ask him. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It, his goodness isn't just for me and just for you, but for the generations coming that will be called victory. He's so good. Psalm 119, 68, you are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. I want to be like you. Psalm 145, verse 9, the Lord is good to everyone. See, that's a big statement. I think he meant everyone who is a Christian. No, to everyone. Everyone. The Bible says in James that every good gift, 
That doesn't mean because he's good that they're born again. It means because he's good, they have a, a, a purpose or a chance to be born again. That's what it means. It's not God going, yeah, you're not good. It's the Father still so good that he showers compassion on them even when they reject him. And there's this revelation, guys, that comes out of this. And first and foremost, the revelation has got to be this. Know him. And I know this is basic, but you can't get away from this. This is about knowing him first and foremost. Who he is, not just what he does. You've got to know who he is. It's about knowing his ways, not just his acts and what he does. The children of Israel, the Bible says, Moses was different. He got away with God and he said, oh, I just want to know you. I want to know your character. I want to know what, who you really are. But the children of Israel just wanted to know what he could do for them. Isn't that interesting? Sounds like church. In Psalm 103, 7, the psalmist said, because Moses cried that out, he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Just think about that for a minute. Some of us listened to a message by Bill Johnson this week on hosting God's divine presence. And he made this point. Miracles can become boring. As soon as I heard that phrase, I went, what? I'm not going to get bored when I see a miracle in front of me. What are you talking about? Then all of a sudden he went back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. God, we're hungry. So he drops manna out of heaven. Boom. Every morning, manna, manna, manna. Miracles. This drops out of the sky from nowhere. Guess what happened? Oh, I'm so tired of manna. I want meat. Give me meat. Then all of a sudden, quail starts dropping out of the sky. Boom, boom, boom. They're still not satisfied. Why? They didn't want to know his ways. They just wanted to know what he could do for them. And, and the issue, guys, is this. With seeking an experience only is that the experience alone will not fulfill you. It never can. Nothing wrong with experiences, but if that's what you're looking for and that only, in a short amount of time, you're going to feel empty again. Because the thrill of it is short-lived. And it's going to cause you to then seek the next experience. You know, people go to conferences like that. I remember the first time as a Christian, I was introduced to a Christian conference, different to Sunday. I went, wow. This is so good. This is so much better than Sunday. Why can't the preacher preach like this every Sunday? Why can't the people sing like this every Sunday? Why can't the altar be filled like this every Sunday? And then the conference was over. And I said, when's the next one? Who's going to preach? I hope he's better than the last one. I was looking for the conference God. I wasn't looking for him. And the deal is this, when you seek an experience only for that experience sake and, and the shine wears off, you seek the next one and it's got to be bigger and better than the previous one. And it's no longer about him, it's about what he can do to prove himself to you. Don't get me wrong, I think we can experience him, but our experience of him, and this is where the key isn't to seek a series of experiences to prove the reality of God. I didn't go over to to Jason and lay hands on my friend last week and say, let me pray for you and you fall down and you'll know God's real. I didn't do that. I encouraged him knowing he's a child of God. Get with your dad. I, I might pray for you and nothing happens, but he will never let you down. 
Because the key is to seek God first and out of knowing Him, an encounter naturally follows. You can't stay the same. Because it's not just a revelation of knowing Him, it's a revelation that leads to an encounter with Him. So the prayer I'm praying for us right now is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I want you to stand while I read this. This is my prayer for us right now. Has been all week knowing what we're going to do today. I keep asking, God, I don't stop. Because I know it's so needed. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I keep asking Jesus, would you talk to the Father for us that right now and beyond this moment, we get a spirit of wisdom, which means we know what to do because we had a spirit of revelation. We saw him for who he is. And we know you better. We're more intimate, more personal, more close with you than ever before. Because here's the deal, guys. When I'm feeling abandoned, I know him as the father to the fatherless. When I'm concerned about my needs being met, I know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is my provider. When I'm hit with infirmities and I'm sick, I know him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is my healer. When I'm troubled, I'm anxious, I know him as the Prince of Peace. And when I feel distant, God, you're so far away, where are you? I know him as Emmanuel, God with me. And when I feel unclean because, yeah, I've offended you, I've sinned against you, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I understand if you just don't want to be with me today, and yet I know you as the God who forgives all my iniquities. Thank you, Father. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.